Support for How in the Hell Did I Get Here comes from The Coloring Book Coach. Did you know it's possible to heal your heart and more through coloring and the support of The Coloring Book Coach? Visit thecoloringbookcoach.com for your free coloring book. So this week's show is going to be a little bit different. Today's air date is August 8th, 2019, and is actually the date that my sisters and I agreed to as D-Day for the podcast. D-Day being the day that we were going to go back and check in and look at how things were going and see if we wanted to keep going. So I'm not going to keep you waiting. Here's the good news. Our answer is yes, of course we want to keep going. We love doing the podcast. I love doing the podcast, and it's so fun that my sisters are doing it with me, and the fact that you are listening. We love you guys, and we're so grateful for you. Thank you for sharing the show and reviewing and subscribing, and even supporting us financially at coffee.com. Shout out here to our newest producer, Eric, who joined last week. Thank you so much for helping us produce the show and letting us know how important the show is to you by showing up for us financially. For those of you who don't know me, I'm in my mid-50s, and to start a podcast in your mid-50s is, you know, it's kind of a big deal. Fortunately, I'm not afraid of technology, and I've always loved broadcasting. I love talking to you, sharing our funny stories, hearing your funny stories on our call-in line. I love everything about this, including editing, because I surprise myself every week when it's finished. And one hidden bonus that I don't think any of us realized was going to happen is the fact that myself and my sisters talk to each other every day now on Messenger or on the Voxer app, which is just so much fun. I know that this podcast has brought us closer together because I've heard stories from my sisters that I didn't even know and vice versa. Those reactions you hear from us on the podcast are genuine because a lot of the times we're hearing the story for the first time just like you are. Back to today, August 8th, 2019. Not only is it D-Day, and you already know that we're carrying on with the podcast, it is also Richard L. Floden's birthday. He would have been 79, and he was my dad. And today's episode is dedicated to and about him. If you listen to the very first podcast episode, you'll hear me explaining who he was and why doing this podcast is so important to me. And today I'm going to take you a little further behind the scenes. I hope you enjoy today's show. I realize it's not our normal how in the hell did I get here stories, but in a way it is. It's the original how in the hell did I get here story. And it's really important for me to do the show today in this way because our dad was really somebody special. And I feel it's really important to honor him and thank him for the legacy he's left behind. Like one of the cool things is that Carrie's found out that she's great at creating memes. All those funny memes you see on our social media are created by her, and she's so good at it. So I just want to honor where we came from and honor my dad and his short but impactful broadcasting career. This is Kim A. Floden, and you're listening to How in the Hell Did I Get Here? Today's show may include swear words. Stay tuned.
My sister Carrie is the family genealogist, and a couple of years ago, she stumbled upon an old newspaper article from 1962 about our parents, Richard, who was known as Chips, and our mom, Maxine. Sadly, our dad developed diabetes type 1 when he was 4 years old, and by the time he was 23, he was blind. He died in 1969. He was 28. I was 6. To clarify, Chips was my mom's first husband and father to myself, Carrie, and our brother Chris. Crazy Larry, who's been featured in a few stories already, is our stepfather and father to the rest of our siblings, Jenny, Aaron, Matt, and Skye. Our dad lived a very full life in a pretty short time. This article was published in the Eau Claire, Wisconsin Leader on October 10, 1962, less than three weeks before I was born. It's an inspiring story, even if you don't know the characters, and I hope you enjoy listening. The headline reads... Screen Lives Again in Augusta Theater While movie heroes dance their shadowy ritual across the movie screen, here a true-life drama is being enacted at the box office. A month ago, Richard L. Chips Floden, age 22, of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and his wife Maxine reopened the Augusta Theater, which had been silent and dark for two years. Many folks know Floden as an Eau Claire radio personality who conducted a late evening record show, worked at the television studio as a film director, and moved to Marshfield as a radio announcer after marrying Maxine in September 1961. Some folks know that Floden, who has a lifelong interest in the entertainment world in general, and the movie world in particular, launched his business here a month ago on a shoestring after being out of work for months. Few know he had to leave his radio announcing post when failing eyesight canceled out his ability to read news stories or other announcements. He's been in hospitals twice since then in efforts, so far futile, to push back the curtain of darkness that is gradually closing in. At best, Floden can make out the shape and form of large objects. At worst, he can just distinguish between light and darkness. It seems like there's always a way, if you can just find it, he says. He doesn't like to talk about his problems. He'd rather talk about his Eau Claire friends who tipped him off to the possibility of reopening the theater here, who helped himself and his wife clean up, paint and partially remodel the Main Street building for the event, and the Augusta businessmen who have supported his effort. He sells them some advertising on the screen and reports that business support has represented the difference between success and failure during the first weeks. He's found that although business is good, quote-unquote, many people have gotten out of the movie habit. He hopes that by presenting the best pictures his budget will allow, that he can recapture some interest. He also praised the Augusta young people, Jerry Setzer, Julie Neldon, and Jim Stedman, who work at the theater for showings, one on Thursday, two on Friday and Saturday nights, matinees on Saturday and Sunday, and the Sunday night performance. So far, Maxine, who is 19, has been his principal helper, caring for books, driving his car, and using her eyes for him. She will have added duties soon when their first child is born. 
Floden is hoping to find a place here where he can reasonably park their trailer close to the theater so he can walk back and forth alone. I was pretty busted up, he says, recalling the time when he first learned his eye ailment is serious and could be permanent. But his face lights up as he describes how he's trying to improve the theater sound system and the bright plans he has for the future if his venture here succeeds. He'll know better when the next two months of his three-month trial period are complete. The End At the end of the day, that first theater in Augusta, Wisconsin, was a success, and my parents went on to open and run two more theaters in small towns in southeastern Minnesota for the next five years. But our dad was so much more than just a theater owner. He loved music and entertainment and acting and was always up to what was hip and happening. He took that love of music and love of entertaining and became not just a DJ, but one of the Midwest's premier booking agents and concert promoters. He handled all sorts of nationally known talent, including Louis Armstrong. By the way, Dad had all this going on before he hit the age of 21. And, just for fun, he studied magic from the time he was a little boy. He was exceptionally good at it and always had a trick ready to astound us, even with his failing eyesight. I have just a little memory. First of all, I used to go behind the candy counter, and to a small child, being behind the candy counter was like a dream come true. The other thing was that my mom was often the projectionist at the theaters that we had, and sometimes she would let me be in the first row with her leopard-spotted coat. It wasn't real leopard skin, obviously, but she would let me be in the first row with that coat, which I loved, to watch Elvis Presley who I was warm for his form when I was like four. So, good memories. And we have one short story about our dad to share today. The last Christmas before he died, he played Santa for the Tempo store in Rochester, Minnesota. Keep in mind that he was completely blind then, so he had myself, who was just barely six, and my sister Carrie, who had been four and a half there to help him. Listen in as we share our memories from that time. Stay tuned for that story after the break. Hey there, it's Kim. I'm just popping in to answer a quick question someone asked, which is what more they could do to help support the show beyond sharing, reviewing, and subscribing. Here's a quick list. One, buy us a cookie or two at coffee.com. That's coffee.com forward slash how in the hell it's actually spelled ko-fi.com and then forward slash how in the hell two we have fun merchandise shirts mugs bags even socks the link is at how in the hell podcast.com three are you a small business owner you can advertise on the show email how in the hell did i get here at gmail.com or call 323 323- Four eight eight three three zero three. Thank you, and now back to the show. I just want to add here that it occurred to me while working on this story that I have no idea how my dad got that job. Who would have hired someone who was 28 years old to be a Santa Claus? Not only that, he was legally blind. And thirdly, 
they let him bring his toddlers to work with them. I think my dad was a pretty exceptional guy. I have a very good memory of us being his elves when he was Santa at the Little Red Barn, which apparently was run by the store called Tempo. It wasn't in the store. It wasn't like Christmas Story. No, it was, it was like one of those little sheds. It was like a separate little yes. shed. And it was yes. freezing in there, if I recall. It was freezing in there. It was I'm like sure it probably was. And I remember mom Mom made us little elf outfits. I'm, I'm going to assume they were red and green. I don't really remember. But like vests and the little elf hat, probably elf pants. And knowing mom, we probably had pointy shoes and pointy ears because she didn't do anything half-assed. She's probably the one who decorated the whole little red barn. But anyway, yeah, so the kids would come in, and I'm pretty sure it was like one family at a time. There wasn't like a line. Well, they couldn't have a line going out the door, could you? We'd all freeze to death. So the kids would come in, sit on Santa's lap, and then you and I would give them candy canes when they left. And so this one group, I think it was a couple of little girls, came in, they did the whole thing, told Santa everything they wanted, and they got off his lap and were going to heading towards the door. And I turned to Santa and said something. I don't know what I said. Dad, I have to go to the bathroom. Or Dad, uh, how many more kids? Or, you know, something. And he got mad at me. But just for a split second, because I called him Dad. And But he got mad. He said, you can't call me Dad. You got to remember, I am Santa. And then I was just so mortified because... I never, ever, ever wanted him mad at me because I just worshipped the ground he walked on, basically. I think we all did. Yeah, I think um, it was pretty easy to get along with, if I recall. He was fun to get along with. <laughs> yeah, I recall, too. I remember, I mean, I don't know, do you remember the squirt gun fights we used to have in the living room? I think we were allowed one night a week that we all got to have those little black squirt guns. He was fun. Yeah. But then he, he took the time before the next people came in to explain to me the pretend that we were doing and that we all had to remember that it was pretend, but we had to remember to use the right names because otherwise the other little children would be confused and it might break their hearts and make them cry if they thought he wasn't the real Santa because he was there doing the work for Santa because Santa couldn't be everywhere. So that's why we all had to be pretend because we were Santa's helpers. I just remember him taking the time to make sure that I wasn't going to just burst into tears and and to make sure that I understood exactly what the whole point of our game was there and that we were doing good things to help kids. And so I was fine. And then we went back to handing out candy canes because he was Santa and we were Santa's elves. And then mom reminded me yesterday when I called her to talk to her, you know, get some facts. She said that that wasn't his first time playing Santa because when they lived in, I think it was right after they got married because he was able to run late night ads on the TV station, like for real cheap. And so he and mom ran ads for let your kid call Santa. And it was a dollar a piece and the people had to send in the money and, you know, send it to him in an envelope. Like, yeah, I know. I totally remember that mom showed us an ad they had in the newspaper too when she showed us that scrapbook. And that's the first time I'd ever heard that story. But it was like way ahead of his time. What a brilliant entrepreneur thing to do. You know, nobody was doing anything like that back then. Thanks so much for listening today. It really means a lot to us that you give us 20 minutes or so of your time every week. And thanks for all the support and love. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We have the best fans and your support means the world to us. Really, thank you. 
How in the Hell Did I Get Here is written, produced, and hosted by Kim A. Floden. Today's show features myself and my sister, Carrie Floden. If you want to share a story with us, call 323-488-3303 and leave us your story, and you might hear it on the air. Thanks again to our sponsor, The Coloring Book Coach. Find your free coloring book at thecoloringbookcoach.com. As always, a big thanks to Silent Partner, who creates all the music found on How in the Hell Did I Get Here? And we found them at YouTube's Creator Library. Meet you back here next week for more How in the Hell Did I Get Here? stories. Until then, pay attention, my friends. You just never know when you might find yourself saying, How in the Hell Did I Get Here? There were toys in there, and one of the toys was a um, Porky the Pig that you could pull the string and he would talk. And I think our dad wanted him because our dad liked that kind of stuff. And I believe he got, mom might have gotten him that for Christmas that year. It wasn't for us. It was either mom gave it to dad or dad gave it to mom. Okay, that is so funny. I don't think I remember the Porky the Pig, but... I'm I'm touched to hear about it because one of the one of my favorite things I have is my jingle pig. It's a stuffed pig with a with dressed up for Christmas. He's got a hat on and a jingle bell on the top of it. And when you press his paw, he he snorts out jingle bells. So oh, <laughs> um, oh yeah, and then I must have inherited the love of that kind because I we've got all kinds of that that kind of silly kitschy stuff around here.